Well, you all know that we've been uh, reading from the end of Matthew's gospel now for this series, and um, I, I bet soon you're going to be able to recite it by memory, but it, it has some great words for us, and that's why we're, we are going through this uh, so thoroughly. So we're going to read that, and then uh, one, one of the things we're doing during this three-week stretch is that we're going to delve into this, um, this word about teaching, because, uh, well, you'll hear it. Uh, because uh, Jesus has so much to tell us for us to live out. So here, now the word of the Lord is found in the good news according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to, uh, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, hear this teaching that Jesus gives to us on the Sermon on the Mount. This is just a brief portion of it, uh, obviously because it goes from chapter 5 all the way through chapter 7. But we're going to delve down into these three sections right here at the end of chapter 7 at the conclusion of the sermon. And this one's about tree and fruit. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing and inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. As grapes gathered from, th- or grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles, the same way every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll know them by their fruits. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we've been uh, going through this section of, of scriptures called the Great Commission. We started out by talking about Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. You might recall that because Jesus is the creator of the universe. He has all authority of heaven. But because he emptied himself of all that authority and came down to earth, he has authority over, over all the earth as well. And most significantly shown as he died for us there on the cross. And, he, and he's, he's worthy of our worship for those very things. For those very things. And then we talked about our doubts, didn't we? We talked about that even these 12 or these 11 apostles that came to be with Jesus there on this mountaintop, there he saw him resurrected from the dead, and they, some of them even doubted. And we talked about sometimes that we have our, our own doubts. And then Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples, teaching everything that I have commanded. Teaching. Now, when you think about teaching, what do you think about in our 21st century model? What do you think about? Similar to what we're doing right here. There's a bunch of people sitting, and there's one fellow standing and one gal standing in front of you pontificating on some facts, right? I mean, there's everybody just there trying to absorb something, something that I can learn. If this is a classroom, we say, no, what's on the test, teacher? I mean, that's, that's what they're wanting to know, right? And so we've all been through classes where there's been someone speaking, there's PowerPoint presentations, there's slides that are shown, there's videos that are lifted up. If you uh, went to high school, when I went to high school, you longed to have the coach teach because you know you're going to watch in films a lot. You know, you, 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 some of those remember, the, yeah, some of y'all remember those days. Yeah, so we, it was somebody imparting knowledge to us, right? Yeah. 
And sometimes things are more interesting than others. I, I have a propensity to like history and, and learning about people. In fact, I bought a biography of Vince Lombardi for $1 yesterday at, at, the, at, at the bazaar. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah, that, I bought a little more than that. But, yeah, I, I bought, so I'm looking forward to reading about this interesting fellow because I'm interested in those type of things. And we know that some people do a better job of imparting knowledge than others. We've all had the teacher that we, uh, you went to sleep in. And, and we've had teachers that inspired us. I had a, a math teacher in the 11th and 12th grade named Miss Ellen Dotson in, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And she inspired me to learn to like math. Up until that point, I was a C and D student in math, much to the chagrin of my backside from parents and coaches. I, I mean, I, you know, I was struggling. But then Miss Dotson somehow inspired me, and I learned to like mathematics. I, I got pretty good at it, in fact. I did. But you see... Uh, yeah, some people, you know, you're, you're probably thinking that, out, you know, the book that says math is fun is, and that's a fictional thing. Yeah, I get, I get that. I, I, I've been there. But Ms. Dotson taught me something that helped me learn and to grow. But the thing is, what have I done with all that? For you see... What Jesus is talking about in teaching isn't so much imparting knowledge. He was talking to them about a way of life. He was saying to them, teach them the way that I lived. Not give them some facts, so that's a part of that. See, back in the, the ancient culture, a rabbi brought people along with them, told them things, but... What the real learning took place was in that relationship with the teacher. And what Jesus is saying is learn my way of life. Teach them how I lived by the way that you live. For discipleship is a way of life. Discipleship is a way of life. Can you all say that with me to make sure that you're awake? And a lot of you all tired from the bazaar. Discipleship is a way of life. So what Jesus is saying, teach my way of life. Because, well, just learning things with our head doesn't, sometimes doesn't change us, does it? And let me give you an example. Going back to Ms. Dotson. She inspired me, for a while anyway, to to be a mathematician. I went to college, and I started to major in math. I did, believe it or not. I, I made, yeah, shake your head there, Craig. It's hard to believe. I, I majored in math. And so here I was taking statistics and calculus one and two and three and differential equations. But I knew I was in trouble when I walked in the class one day and I saw a board covered with all these symbols, and there wasn't a number on the board. And I said to my friend, I'm in a bit over my head in this class. And I was. I even worked for a little while as a mathematician's aide at Eglin Air Force Base in the math lab, entering data to break down telemetry on the AMRAM missile. Uh, I mean, I, I got to do stuff like that. But I realized that that wasn't me. And I quickly grew disinterested in that. I had a lot of knowledge about it, but today I doubt I could 
even solve for x on an algebra equation right now. Because why? I haven't lived it. I found other things more interesting, more appealing, more helpful. That's the way it is with so many who are in the church. We have all of this knowledge. We learn all these facts. We come and hear every now and then an interesting sermon. We, we come, it's supposed to be a joke. Uh, we, 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 we come and, and take Bible studies, and we know who Shalmaneser the 24th was, and we, we, can, we can know about the Amalekites. We know where Tarsus is, but what good is it doing in our lives? What good is it doing in our lives? What difference is it making in the way that we live, you see? For just like I, I am not a math person anymore, I'm, some people are saying, well, you know, I, I, get, I learned a lot of stuff about Christianity, but what, what good is it doing? What, what fruit are we producing out there in the world? For you see, as I said, discipleship is a lifestyle. And so it has to be in our heads, yes. I mean, we got to know some things, and we got to wrestle some things in our minds, as we talked about when we, when we doubt. But it also has to be in our heart, and it has to be expressed through our voices, our, our hands, our feet, and our doing to make a difference in the world. For as Jesus said, our lives have to produce fruit. And the only way we can produce fruit is that we actively try to stay connected to him. Now, I know I'm asking you to remember a long time ago, but you might remember in the spring, we preached a series on the I am statements of Jesus. Anyone remember that? If you, if you, all, right, all right, several of you all do. Good, 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 good. The rest of you, look it up online. Uh, yeah, we talked about, you know, who Jesus was using these statements. And one of them was, I am the vine and y'all are the... Thank you for those that remember the branches. And what did we talk about that? The best thing that we can do is to focus on staying connected to that vine, to Jesus. Because without doing that, Jesus said, you can bear no fruit, right? So we have to work on staying connected to Jesus, and it's not just something that happens, we have to actively work on it. And I lots of times memorize my quotes, but it was a little busy this week. So I'm gonna read you a beautiful quote though about how we ripen in the presence of Jesus. This is by an author called James Finney. He said, when we ripen in holiness and spiritual fulfillment as we learn to sit in the sun of God's mysterious sustaining presence that energizes and guides our efforts, it brings us to realms of grace that are beyond, way beyond anything we can achieve by our own efforts alone. I love that. Bringing us into realms of grace that are beyond, way beyond anything we can achieve on our own. So we work to keep ourselves in this gaze of Jesus so that his grace will grow into us. And as he says, that will produce fruits that are not for our own benefit. But he says this, as fruit ripens, it fulfills itself in reaching full potential to nurture and give pleasure to others. We might say that as fruit ripens, it fulfills itself in giving itself away. In a similar way, we do not undergo transformation of ripening for ourselves alone, but rather that a transformed presence 
might be a source of nurture to others. You see, what he's saying is that we have to stay within this realm of grace and work at doing that. It's an act of participation in it so that we ripen as this wonderful fruit that nourishes and sustains the world. In a book that we may read as a church at some point, Discipling Like Jesus, Phil Maynard quotes an article from Forbes where this person says that the way that we change is participating in behaviors on a consistent basis, and as we do those things, our minds are rewired so that we can begin to live out. But you hear what it said, that we actively participate, doing behaviors over and over and over again. That's what Jesus is talking about, is that you participate in the way, my way of life so you can grow down into the deep roots of my love. You all know this because you can learn all you want about a subject, but until you do it, it doesn't stick in. Staying with this metaphor of gardening. Suppose that I wanted to garden. That's a big suppose. I'm having to do it because my wife and daughter love to do it. So, but, but suppose I, I was wanting to do it. So I buy books on gardening. I download that cool app that you can get. You can take a picture of a plant. It tells you what it is. I, I, I buy the books. I download the app. I buy all sorts of topsoil. I get mulch. I, I get the, the, the ground netting to cover up stuff. I, you know, I, I even buy some plants. But does that make me a gardener? No. It's when I start digging in the soil and rooting up the weeds and planting things and watering and and tending to those plants over and over again. That makes me a gardener. And it's the same with us as Christians. Yeah, there is this belief aspect of it. You know, Paul talks about that in, in Romans chapter 10. All who believe shall be saved. But the word belief means that we actively live into something. So we are Christians by our doing. As we'll talk about next week, those who do the will of my Father are those who are called blessed. So we actively participate in this lifestyle of growing in grace rooting ourselves and grounding ourselves in this love of Jesus Christ. And as we do so, we are changed, we are transformed, we are made into something different. So, as Jesus says, we will bear fruit. And they will know us, Jesus says, by our fruit, right? By the way we live out in the world. I, th- I think Diane Rose, she, she does such a great job of decorating for us. And when she heard that we we're doing this sermon on fruit, she got this all together for us. And I, I know she's at a wedding this weekend, but if, when you do see Diane, thank her for how she beautifies this place so often. All right, so let me just ask you this. Can you all see this, everybody? All right, this, what type of tree would have grown something like this? Rachel knows what type of tree would have grown this. 
an apple tree. Does everyone agree with Rachel this is an apple tree? Everybody, okay, that, that, all right, this isn't a mango, okay, in, in, in a turnip tree. I guess turnips don't grow on trees, but yeah, all right, this is, this is an apple tree. All right, very good, very good. Look what Diane has put here for us. What, what is this, y'all? Anybody? Someone besides Rachel has to know this answer. Does, does anyone besides Rachel know this? What is this? A banana. a banana. What type of tree grows a banana? Very good. Very, what geniuses are in this church? I tell you what. What is this? A kumquat. All right. I know God love her. She's from West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks ramps are onions. Okay. We, some people just can't help themselves. What is this? And it's an orange, right? What type of tree grows an orange? All right. Very good. Gosh, geniuses in this church. So smart. My stars. I, I mean, I, I bet you could do an algebra problem. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Wait, you can do an algebra problem? Oh, my. You are smart. Oh, I forgot. I forgot the grapes. Oh, you. Thank you, Rachel. What are these? Grapes. Do they grow on a grape tree? No. Oh, gosh. Pass the trick question. Grapes go on a what? A grapevine, that's right. So we know if we see a vine with those things on it, it has to be a grapevine. That isn't going to be a watermelon vine, no. Uh, that is a grapevine. Yeah. So as Jesus said in the scripture text, you know a tree by its fruit, right? Yeah. So we know that if we are a Christian, we are to bear a certain type of fruit. If we have a tag of Christian, we are, are to look a certain type of way. But there's some confusion out there. There is. There's some confusion. It, it would be, be like this. When, when COVID happened, my wife drug me a lot of times to the nursery that was outdoors. Any other gentleman have that happen? Because, you, I mean, what else are you going to do? Go, so we went to this outdoor nursery. We went all around it all the time, bought all sorts of plants. And one time, Jimmy, we bought an orange, a vine that said it was going to grow up orange. And we had a nice outdoor Auburn sign that we're going to plant there. And we had this climbing vine. It was supposed to be orange. And we planted it, started to grow. And guess what color the flowers were? It said it was going to be orange. What color were they? They were red. They were red. And now remember who the arch enemy is. They wear crimson. And we were trying to plant by this beautiful Auburn sign that said Auburn Tigers back when we could play football. And, and, and it, there it was. It was supposed to grow up and be this orange vine to be right around that. And it was red. Oh, awful. Horrible. You see, um, what some people are seeing is that we have this tag Christian and instead of a beautiful orange vine growing up there, it's like, it's like this ugly crimson thing's growing up. Thorns and thistles. And, and this came to my mind. It hit me so hard the other day, not too long ago. I was riding along, you know, and if you get a stop sign, you see some of the bumper stickers, all sorts of fun bumper stickers. I read this one, and it hit me right in the heart. Here's what the bumper sticker said. God prefers nice atheists over hateful Christians. God prefers nice atheists over hateful Christians. How in the world did the followers of a loving Savior who gave everything for himself get labeled that way? Wow. 
but it's out there. By the way that some perceive who we are as followers of Jesus, they see thorns and thistles and brambles, and it says a Christian tree, but they don't see a lot of love. They don't see a lot of forgiveness or joy. That's what they experience. Wow. So what fruit do we want to produce in our lives so that others will be drawn to the vine, the source of our, our love, Jesus? Well, one fruit that I think we have to produce is a fruit of repent, repentance. You know, Jesus came up and, and is talking about some of his teachings. He said, first thing he said, repent and believe the good news. So we have to let Jesus come in like the vine dresser. And as he said, it says in, in uh, John 15, uh, let the vine dresser come and prune away all those thorns or thistles or things that aren't producing good fruit. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 4 uh, describes uh, those thistles and those thorns this way. It's on the screen, so I'll let Sam put it up there uh, from, from Ephesians, I mean Galatians 4. See, here now the works of the flesh. These are the thorns. There are obviously sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. People aren't attracted to infighting and dissension and jealousy and anger. They don't want to see people that way. They, and they surely don't want to see people that are professing one thing and living out another, right? They're not, they don't. So we have to ask God uh, in our daily lives and, and this week as we go out into the world, say, Lord, prune from all me from me, all those things that bring about jealousy, that uh, are, show bitterness, that are prickly, that are selfish, so that beautiful fruit may bloom forth within my life. And these are the fruits that God wants to have us bear in the world. As Paul later says in that same chapter, the fruit of the Spirit, don't we want to live this way? Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things as these. Just leave those up there, Sam, just as people can look, look at that. That's what people want to see in us as Christians, living this out, because that is delicious fruit, y'all. That's delicious fruit. They, they would love to see people that act joyfully even when things aren't going right, even when they, they are tired and, and upset. They like people to have a countenance of peace even when the flight is canceled, the baby is crying, and people all around us are, are in a bit of confusion. They want to see people that have that countenance and aren't giving in to anger. They want people to be uh, accepting of others even when they, they may not see eye to eye that they, they, they're gentle in things. They want to see faithful folks that, that when they say, hey, let's do lunch, they put it down on their calendar and lunch is actually done. They want to see folks that, you know, don't give in to the ways of the world and try to live lives that are, are self-controlled. And of course, they want to see people who are generous with their time and the talent and the treasure. And of course, they want to see folks that are loving. That's what 
fruit needs to be born within us. I don't know if you weren't here this week, you missed it, but I saw a lot of good fruit being produced around here. Even when uh, people were tired and had been doing a lot of work all week long, well, there was a, a lot of joy, some mighty tasty fruit. And I, I saw some mighty tasty fruit being produced as people were folding clothes and hanging up things and as sharing with each other and caring for one another. I, I saw countenance of peace that were mighty tasty to others as, as people, you know, it, it could have got disagreeable sometimes, but you never saw that. And it was sure mighty tasty fruit. When people sacrificed at the end of a long week, putting away things, taking out the trash, loading up the dumpsters and the trailers. Because people like to see people working out of love. That's mighty, mighty tasty fruit. And all the folks that came with vouchers in hand, maybe as Rosie said, not getting, being able to have clothes for their children or a, a decent toy to give away to them at their birthday for Christmas, most notably, you all need to hear this. Uh, family came in, and I could tell they're from a, a different country. And I said, uh, you're all from Ukraine, aren't you? And she said, yeah, we're refugees from Ukraine. The woman's name is Anna. The, her husband didn't seem to speak English. And because of the tasty fruit produced by the people here, that family has clothes and furniture and some food, and if any of you all know where they, uh, their daughter can get an American Girl doll, they'd love to get that. Fruit, mighty tasty, mighty fragrant, was produced here all this week. The challenge is to bloom all year long. You know, so we do that by being grounded in the Word being open to the grace of God through prayer and contemplation. And then let the flowers of God's love shine forth, bloom forth, giving a fragrance out that attracts all the world to Jesus. That fruit, that fruit is mighty tasty and will draw all people unto him. May it be so in your life, in mine, and in this church. Amen, amen, and amen. Let us pray. Father God, we know that Jesus sent us out into the world to teach, and it wasn't just about imparting knowledge, Lord. It was about sharing a lifestyle that's filled with love and joy, filled with much uh, gentleness, generosity, and yes, peace. So, Father, uh, as we uh, strive to work together, because it is sometimes work, uh, that we're sustained by your grace and the love that we share with one another, so that we grow deep in the soil of your graciousness and abiding love, and that through us, you produce a harvest of righteousness and love that will transform this world and change the lives of people who are broken and hurting. My God, send us forth from this place 
being your disciples, bearing much goodness and grace in this world around us. All this we ask in the name of the one whose grace and love pour into each of our hearts, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen, amen, and amen.